0: Today on the podcast, I have Tayana Tay Nelson, a photographer, the photographer and owner of Hey Tay, which is a Midwest-based and LGBTQ-plus-focused wedding photography business whose goal is to serve marginalized couples and provide a safe space for them to express their love. Tay is also the photographer and owner of Good Bodies, a boudoir photography business. She sees boudoir as a way to express yourself however you see fit, a way to step out of your comfort zone, and a way to celebrate who you are right now. At Good Bodies, they practice mission based boudoir and changing the industry by ph- by photographing everybody because they are all good bodies. Hey, Tay, how are you doing? Good. How are you? <laughs> good. Thanks for joining me today on the podcast. Um, I'm wondering if you could give us a little bit of an intro to who you are as a person.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, my businesses are mostly focused on like marginalized folks and like groups of people, um, which is, comes from a background of me never feeling like represented in like movies, TV, and et cetera. And knowing that it really shaped the way that I grew up. And I want to make sure that that can be different for people going forward. Um, I think representation is super, super, super important and being able to grow up and have... I guess now in my 30s, (laughs) representation like Lizzo and having people who are unapologetically themselves has been um, incredible for me just in terms of personal growth. As a person, I feel like most of the things that I do in life are kind of focused around that mission. And I spend a lot of time just trying to think of ways to make people feel included or trying to make sure that my business is doing everything that it can to make other folks comfortable and happy and um being able to photograph that and kind of put it in people's faces so that folks can kind of change the way that they feel about things
0: okay well i love that when did you first start your photography business
1: i have a degree (laughs) in photography i graduated in 2013 um which is when i took my first wedding, Um, I was working with another photographer who was older and was looking for a student who was interested in getting in the business. I photographed a few weddings with her and and then uh, over time when I was like, oh, I need to be legal. So I think like officially my first business was kind of like brought to life in 2015. And then from then till now, I've had like changes because I've moved states, I've introduced new genres, I've scaled back on things. But photography in general, I've been doing since at least like 2005, 2006. Hmm. And I've been saying because of my graduation date that this is my 10th year in business. And I feel like it's marked a lot of other things for me. So 10 years feels good. (laughs) Um, So when I started, I was doing like portraits and stuff. And, um, I guess when I officially started my business, I was doing a little bit of everything except boudoir. So essentially Mm -hmm. like if a senior came to me, if families came to me, um, I was all for it. I was advertising towards those folks. And then as time went on, I was like, okay, I know what I really like to do is photograph couples. Mm -hmm. And then those couples started having kids. And I was like, oh, I would love to like be able to see these kids as they grow up. So I have some folks who I've been photographing for 10 years as their families have grown. And then... I headed into boudoir and like around 2016, 2017 is kind of when I started playing around with it. And I think that was when I was like, okay, I have to specialize because I'm like, I, <laughs> my friends all like to joke that I will monetize anything if I can figure <laughs> out how to do it. <laughs> and so they're like, you can't just have hobbies, you always have to like, end up doing something with them. And it is mm. it's very true. It's been uh, a while as far as like, when I branched out of just doing weddings but um I've now gotten to a place where I take about five a year of Mm -hmm. people who like I really click with and really want to spend time with and everything else that I photograph is basically on a referral basis so if you know someone I photographed or if I've been photographing you for years come on through otherwise it's just kind of depends
0: and then 2017 is when good bodies came about
1: Yeah, like 2016, 2017, and it didn't start as Good Bodies. That actually ended up happening, um, I believe, uh, the last year that I worked for Cerner, so like in 2018. And that was when I was like, oh, what if I change the name of my business? And everyone was like, that's kind of weird. I don't know why you do that. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do that. Yeah. And it ended up being the I best thing to. I could have done. Yeah. I was just like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. I think this sounds great. And uh, that t- told me that I should start trusting myself a little bit more. But, you know, here we are. <laughs> Everybody that you see on my page is a good body, regardless of like what's going on, who the person is, et cetera. Because, you know, I try to tell people a lot that, Your body is the least interesting thing about you at the same time it's like a physical manifestation of like everything that you are and like Mm -hmm. it's really really cool to photograph all these different kinds of people and seeing like how it comes out because i might do the same pose with 10 people in a row but the way other people's bodies like line up the way that they move things the way that they um feel while they're actually doing the posing is going to change it so that so every photo is different even if it looks the same if that makes sense
0: what comes to mind for me when I think of good bodies is like the way that we refer to someone who has like, who is like thinner and maybe is like really toned or something is like, oh, she has a good body. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like it's almost like a middle finger in the face of that idea that we all have of like what a good body is. And it's like, no, that's not the only thing that's a good body. Like all of our bodies are good bodies.
1: Yes. And I really love that you like kind of see that too, because um I you'll see that like a lot of times um I am the person who's like people made rules for a reason. They're supposed to keep us safe, but I don't feel that way for some reason about societal norms for whatever mm. reason. <laughs> and I I'm think like, they're meant yeah, to keep
0: some people safe, maybe.
1: Yeah, but, but not like, I think that the people that it's trying to keep safe are the people who have all the power in the first place. So it's kind of hard for me to be like yeah, I want to listen to you who tells me that I shouldn't be showing my body because it's sacred. But at the same time, I'm like, no, I would really like to be loud and in the face of someone who doesn't think that this person is a good person or has nothing of value because they're fat or because Mm -hmm. they don't do what you think that they should be doing with their lives and their time.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. I love just your general attitude and tone that you take on social media with just being like so bold and unapologetic about who you are and about the people who you represent through your photography. And there's so much shame around our bodies in general, you know, whatever your body looks like, there's, we're told that we should be ashamed um, of what our bodies can do, of what our bodies want to do, of what they can't do. And of course, what they look like. I think everybody in this culture has experienced some sort of shame around like the way they they look or what their body can or can't do. And particularly people who are of marginalized identities or people who live with disabilities or, you know, are fat. And so I love that you like kind of take that shame head on and are saying like, fuck the shame. Like, This is, these are our bodies and they're amazing no matter what they look like. But, but I do think it's something that even if you have the ideal body, like it's just, it's never enough. You never feel good enough no matter what your body looks like. And so I just love that you kind of take that on.
1: Yeah. And I think the last thing that you said is like super important too, because from what I've seen, a lot of people try to take kind of like the overall stance of, well, I know that if I were thinner, I would be happier. Or I know that if I were thinner, I could do X, Y, and Z. And it's a lie, half the time. Like um, the last time that I was thin uh, enough for people to, I don't know, I guess take notice um, because a lot of people don't know, but I was like incredibly thin my entire life until um, I had some, kind of personal stuff go on. And I ended up on antidepressants and um, shit, it changes your body. Mm -hmm. And um, I feel like people always thought that me being thin was like a good thing. I got so many compliments. Like I've never people think I'm so pretty when I'm thin. And it's a thing that I don't really hear. um, When I am at a heavier weight like I am now. And I try so hard to explain to people that just because I was thin doesn't mean that I was happy and it doesn't mean that anything was going better for me. I was actually that thin again because everything in my life was a mess and it was hard and I was not doing well and I wasn't taking care of myself. Yeah. And I just think that if people could kind of understand that perspective of it or at least even before they comment on someone's body or what's going on with them, if they were to stop and think, hey, this isn't a good thing for everybody. Right. And it's... Easier to like censor yourself and let them bring it up if they would like to, than to risk setting someone down a spiral and kind of fucking up their day.
0: So I don't know if you know, but I have cystic fibrosis and it's a, a chronic illness and um genetic. And so I was born with it. And so my whole life until I was twenty eight, I struggled to gain weight. Like tried so hard, tried everything, you know, it was it was a constant topic of conversation at my doctor's appointments. Like, have you tried this protein shake? Have you tried adding this to your meals? Have you tried it, this and this and this and this? And I tried everything, but because of the way that my disease manifested in me, and and it, this, is, this is common for people with CF, you know, I'm not the only one, but I do like to mention that everybody with cystic fibrosis is a little bit different in the struggles that they face. That was my thing that I, no matter how hard I tried, I was, I was at like a definitely skinny, um, weight and people all the time, like they don't mean anything by it, but it felt so insulting to me it would be like, Oh my God, I'm so jealous of how skinny you are because of the way that our culture is, are like trying to lose weight. And so people saw me as like really skinny and they were like, Oh wow. Like I'm, Oh, you eat every, anything you want and you're still skinny. And I'm like, yeah, but what you don't understand is that I would love to look like you, you know, I would love to look healthy. I would love to have like a filled out frame. When I started taking this medication that came to market in 2019, I finally was able to gain weight and like got to a healthy weight. But for me, that meant gaining about 40 pounds. And so it's just interesting. And, you know, then I have struggled with that a bit. Like, I feel like I've gained too much weight. So it's just don't assume that somebody's current state, you know, particularly if it's like aligned with what culture tells us we should look like is the desired state that they want to be in. Because you don't know what's at play.
1: Yeah. And like, especially with, so it's really why I've kind of taken a step back from saying that we're like a body positive studio um, to being one that's focused on body neutrality instead. Mm -hmm. And that's just kind of being okay Mm -hmm. with where you are. Um, And it was built from people like you and people like me who have chronic or consistent illness. And everyone always says, like, whatever weight where you're healthy is the weight that you should be. But what they don't understand is that no one owes you health. So, like, I think it's we've all seen it where someone is being fat on the Internet and somebody else is just like, well, you're going to die if you don't lose the weight or if you don't do something. Mm. Why is that your business? And when did you become a doctor? yeah. And so being like aware of that and realizing like my body is just the way that it is. Some Mm -hmm. things don't work the same as other people, but that's okay. I know that I don't have to be healthy in order to enjoy life and whatever I have right now is what I'm going to, you know, make the best with. And I think that shifting kind of like that mentality and realizing that everyone is going to do things differently and everyone's baseline for where they should be or what's healthy for them is different and Mm -hmm. so it's just easier to stay in your own lane and shut up about it
0: (laughs) yeah that's i really like what you said um that i don't owe you health so like just so i understand it right like you're saying like to another person who's concerned about like say i'm too fat i don't you i don't owe you me being healthy
1: correct yeah and it's like we see it mostly centered around Lizzo, right? Like everyone's saying like she's not healthy. She's unhealthy at the weight that she's at. There's no way that she's gonna be okay because belly fat monitors cardio health. And you know mm-hmm. what? Those all things might be true. But I'm gonna tell you right now, I know that I am shorter and probably around the same like weight, if I had to guess that Lizzo is. And I couldn't sit out there on a stage and dance for two hours while singing and playing the fucking flute. Okay. <laughs> Like, if that's not healthy and like, again, not that it matters, but Lizzo is also vegan. So a lot of people can't sit here and just say, well, it's because she's eating too much meat or she's doing this, this and this. And like red meat is bad for your health because she's not even fucking doing that. Yeah. So if she doesn't owe you her being healthy in order for you to be okay with the way that she's living her life. It's just easier to not comment on the way other people feel.
0: Yeah. And, but there is such a an entitlement. And maybe yes. you have more of a sense of where that comes from than I do. But there's an entitlement of like, you owe me an explanation of why you're so fat. And I, I hear and see this a lot that like, so say you're at the pool and you're the lake or whatever, and you see like a fat person wearing a thong bikini and you, and someone feels the need to comment on it and be like, why is she wearing that? You know, it's like why do you feel entitled to what she's comfortable wearing? Like, why Why does that concern you?
1: <laughs> so the thing that I have realized, and again, it might not be true for everyone, but people are uncomfortable with other people getting to do things that they don't get to do themselves because they have been told by someone that it's wrong. Single. So yeah, like it's... um I have like a, like a relationship in my life right now with someone who's older who was um, who spent their entire life trying to be thin, and so seeing me be fat, and I still get to be naked. I still have a husband. I still have people who desire me, and more importantly, one person who desires me. And it's hard for them because for such a long time. The reason why, at least in their brain, that they weren't happy or weren't having a partner or weren't doing X, Y, and Z was because they were fat. Mm -hmm. So when you see someone who's lost all that weight and they still don't have the things that make them feel like they're complete, then they're angry about it. Mm -hmm. And when you think about it that way, it's easy to see and it's easy to not be upset with those people because Mm -hmm. I can imagine how much that would hurt if I put all of my time and energy into doing something and I still didn't hit that goal for myself. That would fucking suck. Mm -hmm. I would hate that and i think that's obviously just one perspective of it but i think it's one that a lot of people have Mm -hmm. um and so then if we think about that in like a totally different way maybe it's just someone who is thin and they have spent their whole life trying to not be fat like Mm -hmm. they exercise religiously they count every calorie they log they're doing you know whatever they can and then you see someone who doesn't do any of those things, at least from what you can see, you know, you never know what somebody's doing at home and that person is being praised and that person has a good life and you don't, or you're going through something that people have no idea about, but you're seeing that someone who doesn't live up to the same standards that you have set for yourself, it can be upsetting for people. And I get it. I wish it didn't happen. I wish that there weren't other people in their lives that have caused that to make it happen. Mm-hmm. But it does. And it sucks. Yeah.
0: I think you, you hit the nail on the head with all of that. Yeah, there there's a saying, which I'm probably going to butcher it, but it's something like when something to the effect of like when people take issue with something with another person, it has way more to do with them with the person themselves, than the person who they're directing their like frustration or annoyance or whatever towards it's like, there's something going on inside, you know, whether it's like what you said, like they feel insulted that they tried this thing and it, it didn't work or or they've, they've worked so hard at it. And then they see somebody enjoying life in a body that they themselves know that they would, not be comfortable in or you know feel like they wouldn't be able to accept then that's like insulting it's like i you know what i mean and not to, not that that's right but so it's it's an interesting like psychology to kind of unpack there you know and i've i've speaking of lizzo like i've heard her say things like of course it's hard when she gets criticisms and um people coming at her about things like that weighs on you and and it's had an impact on her Um, Like, of course it would. We're human and we react to the things that people say to and about us, you know, regardless of whether it is really just about them and not about us, you know, it still hurts. But I think she's done a fantastic job of like continuing on and being who she is and like not slowing down, not hiding her body, not changing the way that she does things just because some people don't like it.
1: Yeah. And like. I think there's something to be said about that, too, just as someone who is like, when you have to be the face of something, it's something that I personally have been struggling with lately, um, is I've had people tell me, like, you're Kansas City famous, which is very flattering. Um, and I know that a lot of people probably are like, oh, like, that seems really fun. And like, I'm doing these fun things. I'm coming on podcast. I'm doing all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but what it really does is ju- just opens you up for criticism from literally everyone because there's no way to do everything right you know yeah um and so like i remember when lizzo like a couple of years ago decided to do like a juice cleanse or something like that and there were a ton of fat people who were just absolutely upset and outraged and i could see where they were coming from in that but it's just another thing where people have these parasocial relationships with other people mm-hmm. and think that they get to be in charge of like what that person does or that one one incident outside of what this person normally does becomes available for scrutiny and it's anger and it's all of these things when all you really want is to just be a person doing the thing that you love yeah. so it's been it's been a really rough like about a year, um, just in like the season of life, as I try to like finally have some semblance of a work-life balance. Um, my husband and I have been going through like growing pains as far as that's concerned. Um, and have had to like, look at a lot of other things. And when you're going through something in your marriage, even if it's not something that's like devastating, but you know, it's a change. Yeah. And you still have to log on to the internet every day and be on and be nice and do everything you can. And it's not easy. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like slowly trying to walk away from social media in a way where maybe I can post for a few minutes a day and then move on. And I don't have to worry about my business collapsing. Mm-hmm. Um, But it's really hard. And I don't think people consider that when they're kind of slinging and putting all these expectations on people who they see every day. Um, And I think that having to be a part of like the public eye like that is just, it's hard. And I wish that other people considered it, I guess, when they're, especially when they're criticizing.
0: Yeah. I think it's really easy to see someone like you who's had a lot of success, who's doing something different, who is the face of a certain thing And be like, wow, that's amazing. Like, I wish I had that or I wish I had, you know, whatever it is, like that level of notoriety or that many followers or, you know, those opportunities that this person has without ever considering the negative side of that. Um, I think it's, which this is not news to anybody, but like a person can become Almost like one-dimensional. Like you forget that they're a real person with like all different sides. Like they're not just a poster for this thing.
1: Right. Yeah. And I think that's, um again, it's something that's probably really hard for people because if you haven't been put in that position, all you know is yeah. like. The glamorous side of it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I try to be like as real as I can about the parts of it yeah. that, that really suck too. Um, but it's also kind of like towing a line where you don't want people to then have something to say on the other side you know so it's like a it's like a really weird tightrope that we have to walk and that's why like I am in therapy I have a psychiatrist I have like this whole (laughs) team of people that keep me sane because I don't know how the hell like again people aren't perfect and I can't tell you how many times there was um, there was a whole thing with my um, account before it got deleted. I had like almost fourteen thousand followers. Which when has my, happened
0: like a couple times to you, hasn't it? Where you've been My
1: Instagram got deleted, um, and my TikTok got deleted. I had almost a hundred thousand TikTok followers, oh my and I had like fourteen or fifteen thousand, um, I think, Instagram followers when they got when the platforms were deleted, and it's just like. Everything has also kind of been weird since then, because I worked so hard to build this following and some people like will see me, but don't realize that they're not following me anymore or like other things will happen. And um, I have to be 5,000 things to own a business. Um, you have to be, you know, an accountant. You have to be like a spokesperson. You have to be PR. You have to be social media. You have to do all of these things. And um, I just think that it's something that until you do it yourself, you'll never know what it can be like or all the things that can kind of tumble out of control with it as well.
0: Yeah. And you are the sole person holding it all in balance. What were the reasons if you're comfortable sharing that Instagram and TikTok gave you for, for deleting your accounts?
1: Yeah. So on TikTok, I built a following quickly by doing um, specific TikTok videos where I would show me posing and showing like my client a pose and then I would show the outcome of mm. the of the photo. Mm-hmm. And if I posted um, someone thin, for the most part, I didn't ever get dinged, I was fine. Um, they would be like, oh yeah, that's like a swimsuit, it's not a big deal. Um, I started kind of figuring out what was okay and what wasn't okay. And so I was being a little bit more tame on stuff because I was also getting reported a lot. And then Jeez. I would... What do you call that? I would appeal their decision and I would be like, hey, I didn't do anything more than like what anyone in a swimsuit does on TikTok. Like there was nothing crude or anything like that. And so um, I guess one day I got a uh, I got another strike against me on TikTok and I appealed it again and they reinstated it. And they were like, you're right. Our bad. We didn't mean to take it down. I went to sleep. I woke up the next morning and my account was permanently deleted. And they were like, you can email us to try to get it back. And I did never heard a call, like never got anything back from them, never heard anything about it. Mm. Um, and actually, Instagram, it was the exact same thing. I posted a photo. I appealed it. They put it back in my feed, went to sleep, woke up, and they had permanently deleted my account because of it, even though both times I had been... following up. Uh, yes. And they had... I had successfully appealed both of those before it happened. And yeah. there was no way for me to get into contact, contact with anyone and be like, Hey, you guys said this was okay. So yeah. I just had What's to move on? on. Yeah.
0: Oh, how disheartening. So I imagine that like takes away, <laughs> I mean, you only have so much energy and then they take away all of the effort that you've put into your social medias. And it's like, do you have the energy to do it again, to like build it all up again? And then like, what, there are they yeah. going to delete it again?
1: that's so that impacts your business. where I am. Yeah. yeah. It's really, like you said, disheartening and annoying because they put all these things into place and they're like, yeah, you can email us or you can call us and we can figure it out together, but there's no one to talk to. Like there's right. no line that you can just reach out to. And I'm pretty sure any email that gets into them probably goes into a trash can. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah.
0: They're not big on, on customer service. Um, yes, social media platforms <laughs> are not you know you see pictures of like thin people in string bikinis all the time and it's no big deal and so yeah because it's different bodies yeah, it's considered what vulgar
1: and it's like we've Instagram has gotten in trouble a few times because of that in particular um, I don't know if you remember but I think it was last year there was like a controversy with hand bras um where like someone's topless and then they just use their hands to like cover up their boobs or like an arm or something and people were finding inconsistency in how they were applying the rule correct and so there was a fat influencer who had enough followers to get them to listen to her Mm -hmm. and so they adjusted the policy and basically they were like okay anybody can do the hand bra it's fine don't show any nipples please though and it's just like, oh, how many followers do you have to have for someone to give a shit about, <laughs> about yeah. something that's being applied unfairly across the entire platform?
0: But that also goes to show, like, it's an example of why it matters to have representation in these spaces, you know, because if, if she hadn't, or he or she or they, I don't know who, I don't
1: I know. Think, what yeah,
0: they- I think it's, I think it was a woman. Okay. Hadn't had the the online presence that they had, then like who would be there to to advocate for the side of the people who are
1: being? I'm gonna say banned? I've been using censored because censored. it feels like that's what it is. It feels like censor censorship for like the crime of not fitting in with their societal norm, and it's yeah. so annoying.
0: While we're talking about boudoir and bodies, um I want to talk a little bit about what trauma informed boudoir means, or what trauma informed in general means
1: so when i took my trauma-informed course last year so it was a six-month course and it's basically teaching you how to reduce harm in your business slash in the spaces that you are creating and cultivating for other people um there was a big emphasis put on safety uh, safety collaboration and consent in your space and I work with naked people in a very vulnerable space. Yeah, And so I thought that it was very important that I be able to sit back and kind of figure out exactly what I wanted to provide and how I could do that in a responsible way to be consumed by other people. Um, so uh, collaboration, safety and consent is essentially, Um, Collaboration is making things feel like it's a joint effort between you and your client. So uh, I have like in-depth questionnaires that are sent to you when you book a boudoir session with me, where it's asking you things like, how can I best support you um, during the session if something feels off, or if you're not really vibing, or if you get nervous. Trying to be mindful of the fact that there are people who are sober and may not want Um, Rose put in their faces. I have a couple cans in the fridge for people if they'd like them. And so letting me know off the bat if that's something that they're interested in. So otherwise, I'm not tempting anyone or doing anything like that by handing them a can. Trying to see, like, if, uh, like what comfort level people are for nudity, letting me know if there's like a playlist that I can play in the studio that will make them feel better at home, things like that. Um, that I'm trying to do as much as possible. Um, And then we've got the consent part of it which is also obviously very huge because being naked is not a thing that's as natural for everyone else as it might be for specifically me i am naked as much as i can be and honestly i have to remember that not everyone was brought up like that and so in my space we have like a separate dressing area i wish it was a whole nother room i have a year left on my lease and then we're gonna hopefully make that happen And doing things like before I touch anyone, even if it's just to like straighten a strap or move something, I always ask, is it okay if I touch you? Mm -hmm. Uh, Is it okay if I do X, Y, and Z before I approach them, especially in a space where they're wearing very little clothing and you walking up to someone and just grabbing them is not okay, no matter who you are. Um, And then as far as safety is concerned, also letting them know that they have my explicit permission to tell me if they do not feel safe in my environment, or if they have anything else that they have to do. So like I said, I pose for mobility. So there's like a thing asking people, like, is there anything in their body or going on with them that I need to be made aware of, so that I am not hurting them in any way, like while I'm posing or things like that, or telling them, you aren't going to hurt my feelings if you have changed your mind about anything or you know, things like that. So it's just like a lot of basically checking your P's and Q's, making sure the people who are with you feel safe and feel good about the space that you've cultivated for them.
0: Mm, I love it. So beyond the fact that it's just responsible and like, you know, in in a perfect world, we would do more of this kind of, you know, training and like understanding of people's experiences
1: before they come into our space. It's nice to know that sometimes you aren't the only like social justice person (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> screaming into the wind <laughs> and that other people care about the same things that you do
0: is social justice something that has always been at the forefront for you or is that something that you've developed over time
1: so i think it's a little bit twofold um i actually just like i don't know why it felt like a secret but that's kind of what it ended up being um it was for like a really long time basically before i went to college I was like a super goody two-shoes, like I never did anything to step on people's toes. I was, um, I was always like the, I wouldn't necessarily say soft-spoken, but I like had a lot of values that absolutely do not align with who I am now. Mm. Um, and my husband was like, I can't imagine a world in which like you ever, had like a more conservative approach to things and saying that word feels like such a dirty word and it doesn't make (laughs) me proud of like who I was but um I do think that like if I hadn't gone to college I still think I might be where I am now but I think it would have taken me a hell of a lot longer to get Mm -hmm. to where I am and um I think that having like a very big like especially a black female community that i can rely on like in the boudoir world and with like weddings and stuff being able to be a part of like those niche communities that care about the same thing that i do also helps a lot but if you would have met me in 2009 2010 i would have been like abortions bad and mm-hmm. I don't understand why everything has to be so polite and how come I can't just call you whatever pronouns I want. My pronouns are shut up, like, you know, stupid things like that. That really does. That (laughs) blows my mind that that was you. And I won't say that it was like, I won't say that I was ever a loud mouth about like those conservative things. I think it was more that... Yeah. Like I think if someone like were to talk to me about things, I would have been like, yeah, I don't understand why like this is a big deal either. And I wish people would just leave it alone. And I was kind of of the mindset of like, it's not my business. Like that doesn't have anything to do with me. And then I grew up and it's all my business because (laughs) I live here. And if you're not trying to make the world better for other people, then what are you doing? It's been interesting to like, know just of myself, like how different I am. But I think that again I would have gotten here eventually it just probably wouldn't have been as neat of a like transition and me finding myself and I was doing a lot of like I think what I would call is like respectability politics it's a thing that you'll hear a lot especially for black people who are like in primarily white spaces mm-hmm. where we do the code switching and we're very mm-hmm. like quiet and things like that so that people don't perceive us as angry mm-hmm. or they don't put these other things on us and make us like these scary people yeah. and I think once I learned that I didn't give a shit anymore yeah. <laughs> like just I think it was very much like at one point I just said why do I care what random honestly what random white people feel about me <laughs> <laughs> when like I don't think that they would ever have anything to do with me in the first place so like why, yeah. why why am I trying to cater towards people who don't give a shit about me yeah and I think that was very freeing for me
0: <laughs> yeah Yeah, it makes me think like the word that comes to mind is assimilation, which I know that's usually used for like people who immigrate to this country and assimilate to this culture. But that's like what it is. Like you're assimilating, you know, previous you, younger you, like assimilating to white culture so that Mm -hmm. you, you, like you said, didn't get labeled as like an angry black woman or, you know, the other million tropes that
1: there are. It's like, I don't want to even say that like, because I've become this way it has stopped um I still do get that moniker from people I have people who describe me as that um I have people who I am not friends anymore because that was like a part of who they tried to paint me as Mm. and I was like if I were like a middle-aged white man talking about these things you would shut up and listen Mm -hmm. yeah and because I'm not that you have no interest which is fine but then i have no interest in continuing a relationship with people who feel that way so i'm still
0: laughing in my head about you saying conservative being (laughs) feels like a dirty word because (laughs) so i i work out at orange theory and a lot of times i'll say like okay let's take a conservative pace with this um with this block on the treadmill or whatever. And I'm like, please stop. <laughs> Say any other <laughs> word. Just not that one. Yeah,
1: I don't it just feel so anything. weird. Yes. I,
0: think it's, I think it's just because of the last several years, like what conservative has come to mean. I mean, I don't think I aligned with it before, like mm-hmm. Trump and all of that. But um, yeah, just the things that it's come to be associated with. I'm just like,
1: oh, can we not? Yes. <laughs> just yes. Not with that word. <laughs> And it's just like in your head. And I feel like the most like daring thing that I've done in like the past couple of years is when we created Fat Camp, which I know we said we might talk about a little mm-hmm. bit here. So I I might just take the opportunity. Yeah, go ahead. Um, people who know me know that I like attention, but I want it in the way that I want it. And when I'm done with the attention, I want you to go away. <laughs> yeah. Um like having you. So a honest. I love it. Like, well and i'm just like specifically like here i did this pretty picture i wrote this blog post that i really want for you to read don't talk to me about it afterwards you don't need to text me we don't have to talk about it but thank you for like being a part of this and if you share it or do whatever great when we got married it was a whole thing because there are pictures of me running away from like big groups of people like you know how they have like that um like that grand entrance like before you Mm -hmm. come to your reception yes There's a photo of Ian and I walking out to see all of our guests. And I didn't realize that they were literally sitting there watching the door waiting for us. Mm -hmm. And so there is a photo of Ian opening the door, my eyes going big and wild. And then you see me turn around and walk back in the building. (laughs) You're like, not doing this. (laughs) I was like, oh, no, this isn't for me. (laughs) And so he went into that and I hid in the bathroom for like a half hour until everybody was like calm again. When Carissa talked to me about, um, Carissa, Fat Girl Flow, talked to me about doing Fat Camp, I immediately was like, that is so much fucking attention. I don't want any Mm. of it. (laughs) All of the things that we were able to get together and do ourselves, and honestly, a lot of the heavy lifting has been Carissa, and I am so proud of what we put together. This will be our second year, and it's going to be from the, I think, the 20th to the 23rd. Um, So it's three nights and four-ish days um where we are doing so many things so many like friendships were made last year we've got so many like we've got drag queens coming for like one of our shows and we're like doing a craft night so we can all make like friendship bracelets and other stuff like that um that it's like taking place in a really like out of the way city kind of like near topeka Mm -hmm. but everybody has like their own cabin with air conditioning and Mm -hmm. there's like a pool at the bottom of it and we've got like all of these things that we can do And it's just a place for fat people to be fat people without having to watch their P's and Q's the whole time. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think anyone or even specifically me realized how much pressure or like how much focus is put on something Mm -hmm. as like small as even like a meal until you're with all these other people who are just like unapologetically like snacking and hanging out and like no one's watching you and going, oh, are you going to eat all that? Or like trying to take things and stuff like that. And it was just so weird, like being in a space like that to me. And when Carissa was like, I think that this is something that we're meant to do and at least write it and see how far we want to take it. And I think that it's been really, really good and that the good things have offset, you know, the negativity that we've gotten and some of the things as far as um, stuff goes. It's just sometimes the negative is a little bit louder than the rest. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I love,
0: again, the name because... You know, I feel like it's a nod and a fuck you to fat camps of years, you know, decades past where parents would literally send their kids to go lose weight in the summer.
1: We've had a couple people who have actually come like who have had those experiences, like gone to those camps. And they were like, this was so healing for me for it to like be something else. To call it back camp and have it be the opposite. Exactly. Yeah. And I remember like when we were first talking about it, one of the first things I said was, I feel like all of us were made to watch that movie Heavyweights when it came out. (laughs) And all of us are still fucking mad about it.
0: Do you find like, are there a lot of commonalities like common? I mean, I feel like that's kind of a dumb question, like for anybody who has like a similar life experience, whether it's, you know, whatever identity it is that you have in common. But are there lots of things like that where you guys have like stories you can connect on, even if you've never met before?
1: Absolutely. And I think that's what was really nice. Like last year um, when we like did have, uh, we had like a couple of icebreakers, but we were like, oh, everyone's going to make their own friends. We were finding out that we like watched the same like random YouTube channels. And at one point, my best friends and I all had our Kindles out next to the pool and we were all reading romance novels and people asked us and then we got into these conversations about romance novels and we're just like oh shit like there's all these people here who have all of these different like experiences that are so different and yet the same Mm -hmm. and i don't know when you become an adult it's hard to make friendships and so that was like one of the best parts about it was i feel like most people left with at least one new friend that they didn't have, with that they came to camp. That's so with. Cool.
0: Is it? Do people come from like all over, or is it
1: like the Kansas City area? No, I think a lot of people. So Crystal also has a Patreon where she um, has a Discord server. So a lot of people like when she when we were planning this, she was like keeping her Discord server um, up. So there are like a good handful of people. Um, we've had people from New Jersey. We had people from Canada Cup, We had like all of these people and a lot of them knew each other from the Discord. And if you didn't, then they all had this thing. And people were so open to like making other friends and everyone was super welcoming and nice. And it was great.
0: That's so awesome! That's so cool. I love. I just love that idea. So I feel like we've talked a lot about bodies. I also want to talk about um, the other identities that you serve in your business, particularly in your wedding photography. You focus a lot on either the LGBTQIA plus community, Um, and so a question that comes to mind for me immediately is, what's it been like being a photographer for queer people in love with all of like the legislative stuff like swirling and like coming and going and like, you know, their marriage is legalized and then there's like threats of it being taken away. And how has that like played into your experience as a photographer for these people who are in love?
1: Yeah. So it's, I'm not going to lie, it. It's been kind of a fucking bummer. So yeah, it, um when right before lockdown, I had booked a lot of weddings, um, for 2020 and 2021 and a lot of those weddings were in response to Trump being elected mm. and it was in or like, I guess like a fear that he was going to
0: take away their yeah to get so married.
1: he he originally got elected in 2016 mm-hmm. and so I feel like there was a lot of just like whispering of like What's gonna, gonna happen? Yeah. yeah, like what are things gonna be when at the end of 2020, when Biden got elected, it was kind of like a hm, yay, but it's more <laughs> just like a <laughs> at least a break. It's not him. He, yes, Exactly. Yeah, at least it's not him. It didn't undo all of like the legislature and things that people had already started working on. And now we've got the Supreme Court just doing whatever the fuck they want. <laughs> um, but I feel like a lot of things have A lot of people have had a moment that's supposed to be so unique and special and important to them, Mm -hmm. overshadowed by the fact that they might not get to keep their their status, their their benefits, their marriage, their children and things like that. And I think that it's just it's been great at some point, just because you really see how community shows up for you when those things yeah. happen. I've had people put together like makeshift weddings um, and two seconds flat just for people who needed it or people who didn't have the resources. Um, I got ordained so that I could get as many people married as I could um, when people were worried between 2016 and 2020 really about that. And then now it's starting to come up again. Right. It's been weird because everyone is still like showing that excitement and they're so excited to get married and finally be done with this but you can see the trepidation and the kind of like the well okay at least i will have this for now and that kind of fucking sucks yeah so i think it's just been kind of like a back and forth thing but i think one of the most important things has been like seeing what the community can be like and how good those celebrations of love can be because i knew when i started taking on mostly queer weddings that i was going to have to deal with a lot of heartbreak because there's a lot of people who come through and they're like my parents don't understand Mm -hmm. or you know i can't get married in the church that i grew up in because of the laws or the rules or they don't believe in me even though you know i think that's a whole other conversation (laughs) yes yes and i think it's like a whole another conversation about like the church and like things like that too because there are still so many like religious people who are like who fall under the queer umbrella and aren't able to do what they would like but i think that that's been a really big thing is being like oh shit! like there's a lot more heartbreak involved in queer weddings but i Mm -hmm. think that also shows you how special they are because the show will go on regardless
0: yeah i photographed a couple in february i think february or march uh they just eloped but they made it like a vegas style elopement and it was two two women and it It's just, it's like, it's so profound, I think is the word that comes to mind for me. Their um, families didn't understand, didn't support them. So that's why they eloped and it was just them. But it was such a beautiful day, even just them. And I think that's like the, I mean, this is going to sound so cheesy. Like I just said it in my head and I was like, oh my God, (laughs) (laughs) it's like the power of love. Like it's, you know, even if that community isn't present, I think it's really inspiring too, that people are still going forward with what they want to do in their hearts, even if they don't have that supportive community too. I mean, that's, that's powerful as well, but obviously all the better if there's a big community that supports these people. And that's so inspiring to see when there is, especially amid all the hate and all the whatever, I don't know. I don't even know how to categorize it at all. <laughs> Just the awfulness, the ugliness of people I was gonna say it. who think they don't deserve it. Who
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's another, it's another like situation of like, keep your eyes on your own paper. Like, why, why is this happening? How does this affect you again? Exactly. Exactly. I think there was like a post that I made recently where someone on Twitter had gotten into an argument with someone who was just like, they were just like, I just want to ask the question, what does someone being trans have to do with you? Mm-hmm. and the person said all these things and at no point did it ever come back around to like how that how they were being hurt by it. And so then they just stopped answering. And you're just like, okay, yeah, that's what I thought. You just wanted to be hateful. And I don't like to give people that opportunity to do that. And I think that it's been really great because it's. Uh, I've heard that one of the most frustrating parts of like being in any sort of conflict with me is that I just, I learned at some point that I don't have to respond to things. <laughs> that's so, so powerful though and so hard to learn. Can be hard to learn. Oh, it's great. And so no. like someone will like come at me for like hours and I'm just like, You done yet? Are you tired? <laughs> right. At this point, I don't give a shit about whatever was going on five seconds ago. And so like if you want to fight with me about X, Y, and Z, that's great. That's great. You are gonna be doing it on your own. But yeah, feel free if that's what <laughs> if that's what helps. I just hope that that kind of mentality starts to come around a bit more. I've stopped like, and I don't know if it's a thing in my thirties, like I've stopped arguing with people on Facebook. You're not going to listen to me. Yeah, I sure as fuck. I'm not going to listen to you. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm going to let other people who have like the energy. The that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it's not me. so you have yeah. fun.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it is. I think it is an age thing, but that that took me a while to learn. Like I would argue with people like that until I was blue in the face And then it's like, for what? Like, there's, I mean, you're just, you're not going to get anywhere most of the time, especially with, you know, a certain type of mentality. So we will move into some fun Q&A with Tay. first one is, what is your favorite thing about yourself?
1: Ooh, I am, uh, or at least I think I am very funny. (laughs) Um, I think like, especially in the photography world, when people hear that, like, I get sessions based on like my Twitter presence or things like that Mm. Um, and they're like what do you do and I'm like I don't know I'm just very openly a hot mess and you can deal with it or you can choose not to and people choose to deal with it and um, I think that it's really fun and I do like especially I've been through some shit and if you're not going to be anything else, at least be able to laugh at it.
0: I envy that ability to be funny on Twitter. I tried that like 10 years ago in my 20s and it just didn't go well. And so now I stay the fuck away from Twitter.
1: (laughs) That is not my case. (laughs) It's going down right now. I know how long. So whatever, just let it happen.
0: (laughs) Well, now there's threads. So yeah, yeah, that's true. Maybe I should take this opportunity to just say all the weird shit that's in my head on Twitter, (laughs) knowing that Twitter is going to implode in like a day anyway. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) if i want to take that risk that that seems a little risky (laughs) um what is something that you appreciate in other people
1: i appreciate people who are willing to be wrong and adjust Mm. their expectations or their viewpoint on something based on it especially with my husband who um he's always been a good egg like i've never We've never really had any like big contentious things when it comes to just like overall treatment of people and stuff like that Mm -hmm. but he is still like a cishet white male and so his viewpoints a lot of time do come from a place of privilege and if that happens if i or like one of our close friends calls him on it he is so willing to listen and to come back and be like okay Yes. And now I have a better viewpoint on the situation. I see where you're coming from and he might have to take a little bit and sit on it, but he's yeah. going to come back to the table and be like, you know what? That makes a lot of fucking sense. And I'm really sorry. <laughs> That's how that came across. And I will be a less annoying white man in the future. Yeah,
0: <laughs> That's all you can ask. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, he's going to hear me. So this is weird, but I have to give my husband a shout out for being that way too. I think yeah. he's, he's a minimally annoying straight white man. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And I feel like it's like a prize when you get a hold of one of those. So yeah. I know. (laughs) Praise them. (laughs) I found one. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
0: What is one of your favorite books of all time?
1: This changes constantly because I read mostly romance slash smut now, um, (laughs) but I'm like a really big like thriller and horror person too. But I think I might even come more out of left field here and say that um, if you know who Kristen Hanna is, she yes. is the one who wrote Firefly Lane. Um, Love her. I, I don't cry. And I think almost every book that I've ever read from her has given me some sort of deep ache in my gut. I know. And I cried in my bathtub once I read <laughs> Firefly Lane. Um, it was wild. And I'm looking to see really quick. But she has one about the Dust Bowl. The Four Winds. That's the Four
0: Winds. Yes. Yes. That um, one got me particularly at the end. I was like, damn it, Kristen, why'd you have to go and do that?
1: Okay, right. And I like, and I knew it too, because like I'd read a lot of her other books and I was just like, all right, we're going to be cool, calm and collected this She's gonna time. She's going to stab and you I'd in the it. heart. And yes, and I was like, oh, fuck. Okay, well, guess not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you said that. I love her too. Um, I have not read Firefly Lane, but I've read, let's see if I can name them all, Winter Garden, The Four Winds. What's the one where they go to Alaska? The Great Alone. Did you read that one? I haven't read that one yet. Nope. It's really good. It'll like piss you off, but it's good. And then there's one more it's, oh, it's a World War II era.
1: Oh, album. the Nightingale?
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's another one that fucked me up. It was really good though. Yeah.
0: Yeah. She's amazing. I'm so glad you said her. She's oh she she probably takes the cake for my favorite author. What is something that you're really grateful, for, grateful for right now?
1: I would say right now it's like the general stability, um, that I have, it's not something that I get to have very often, um, just because I'm the oldest daughter and therefore I have to be in charge of everything. And, uh, so sometimes like if I have like a sibling that's something's going wrong or with, or like something's going on with my grandma or my mom or something like that. So whenever, like, I can just have like a good couple of weeks where Mm -hmm. there's no emergencies, Mm -hmm. nothing's on fire, then I just want to, able to hold on to that. <laughs> so that's yes. where I am right now. <laughs>
0: I feel that with uh my sister and brother have CF too. And so it's been a few years of that, like smooth sailing, but like I feel still some trauma from previous years where it was like tumultuous all the time and there was like yeah. all this health shit going on. Like that will keep you on your toes. That that sucks.
1: You have um so there's three of you total mm-hmm. kids. Yeah. And you all have CF which is very uncommon. But yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I used to date someone who um, his nephew had CF. Mm -hmm. And so like, I kind of got to hear about things tangentially. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And it seems very scary, but like, I've also heard that the therapies and stuff that they've come up with these days are so much better.
0: Yeah. Since 2019, it's been a game changer. Prior to that, it was pretty scary, like all the time. But um, Yeah. yeah, they came out with a new drug in 2019 that had been in development for a long time. And it's a total game changer.
1: So. that's incredible yeah, yeah really I'm glad you to hear it
0: yeah what's one thing that you would like people to come away from this conversation understanding
1: i think uh that conversation that we had earlier about being able to stay in your own lane and realizing that you can't expect health or other things from somebody else i think is the thing that i'm trying to impress on people the most right now when i'm on my soapbox in front of people <laughs> um i think that it is just so important to realize that everyone else is starting from a different point than you and they're going to end at a different point than you because no one's journey is the same and if you stop asking people to come to where you are and instead are mm-hmm. cool meeting in the middle everything's going to be a lot fucking easier
0: yeah i love that and then finally how can people engage with you outside of this conversation
1: yeah, um, so I am either Goodbodies KC or Goodbodies KCMO on pretty much any platform that you can think of. I am trying to be better at answering <laughs> messages, but I'm going to let you know right now I have over 200 on red text. And <laughs> oh, God. And the only thing that's ever zeroed out with me is my email box, so you can also email me. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I got in, folks. <laughs> I yeah I like got back from vacation and I had so many like messages that were like stuck in the ether because everybody was like oh you don't know these this person and I was like I have to go through all of these and figure out who's real and who's not this feels so annoying (laughs) Um, oh yes yes some of them were real people so um if you want to talk to me DMing me on Instagram is a close first bet um, and I will try to get back to you just as soon as I can. Just know that I am mentally always checked out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and are you Good Bodies KC on Twitter? Because it sounds like we all got yes. you
1: on Twitter. OK. Yes. Good Bodies KC <laughs> on Twitter. Um, and actually, on Twitter, the one good thing and what has kept me there is Twitter lets you post complete nudity. I mean, people use Twitter. Really? Straight up. Oh, that. yeah. People they don't care. Use- Twitter is a place to like put their porn, you know, you can do whatever you want. Um, So a lot of times if I have like a session that I post on Instagram that I can't post all the photos, um, you can either grab them on Twitter where they're just sitting there. Or if you're a person who like just wants to support me and what I do, I have a $3 um, tier on Patreon that is literally just to be like, hey, Thanks for existing, and then I will post um, uncensored stuff that I can't put on Instagram there as well.
0: Cool, awesome. Well, thank you so much. I know you t- literally just got back from vacation, like either yesterday or today. <laughs> yeah, <So> today. <laughs> it was yesterday. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> Makes <laughs> a little bit better. Um, and you're a busy gal, so thank you for making the time for this. Um, I'm really excited to have people hear what you have to say. I think it's important and um, give Tay a follow on Twitter, or Instagram, or wherever you like to engage uh, and see what she's up to. Thank Thanks. you so much for having me on. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to the Makers, Dreamers, Doers podcast with me, Morgan Barrett. Please remember to follow, review, and share this podcast with anyone who you think would enjoy it. Your support helps more people find the podcast. You can also find me on Instagram at morganbarrett__ underscore underscore, and check out my website for more information at morganbarrett.co.